It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 8.06 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden, my friends. I'm Walter Reeves with Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful. I look around, I see things that I'm not sure everyone looks at and sees in the landscape, but when I drive around, I'm looking to see what is new, what is different, what is weird. I mean, even yesterday, I was getting a mail from a mailbox, and I looked at the Virginia creeper, you know, the little five-leafed vine that grows just about everywhere in Georgia, and I noticed on my Virginia creeper, there were lots and lots of little dots on the leaves, little light-colored dots on the leaf. And I thought, no, that's weird. What's happening with my Virginia creeper? And so I took a picture of the top of the leaf, turned the leaf over, took a picture of the back. Sure enough, there were mites, spider mites on the back of it. They had sucked the juices out of the cells of the, of the Virginia creeper. And even though I'd never seen that before, now I have something else to sort of add to my library. Someone calls and says, I have Virginia creeper vine. I love my Virginia creeper vine. It has dots all over the leaf. What do I say? Oh, yeah, I've seen that before. Spider mites. Look for spider mites on your, on your leaf. I never would have suspected that, but sometimes you look around, you learn all sorts of things. Susan and Lithia Springs looked around. What did she find? What did you find, Susan? Hey, Walter. Hey, Susan. I've got five um, okra plants, uh, the spineless okra. Yeah. And they're covered up in black ants, and I've got one plant that the okra continually curls in on itself. Hmm. All right. Ants, let's go ants first. Usually okay. it's just the ants feeding on nectar in the flower because okra uh-huh. flowers, as you know, are sort of deep, and they have a lot of nectar in them. And the okay. ant says, you know, this supper right there so they crawl up and down the vine up down the uh, stem looking for the nectar in the flowers i don't know that they do much damage to the flower but ooh, ooh, ooh i'm going to make a theory i'm going to make a theory susan watch out okay <laughs> it's possible that the ants interfere with pollination and when yeah. you have an interference with pollination on vegetables many times you have a misshapen squash misshapen cucumber or maybe misshapen okra that curls okay. in on itself. All right. That's a theory. It's totally theoretical, Susan. I do not know that to be true. Okay. But it explains a lot. It explains why the ants <laughs> are going might, up and down yeah. the stem and why your okra curls around. So the question is, what should you do? I don't know that you should do anything unless you see damage to the plant. See blooms falling off or, or your okra leaves chewed up, which ants would do anyway. And the okra that's curled around is probably perfectly fine to eat. I don't see why you wouldn't eat it. Okay. Well, the plants, uh, I had to trade them for the Japanese beetles, so quite a few of the leaves have holes in them. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if the ants contributed to that or not. No, I don't think there's any connection between Japanese beetles and the ants. But you're right. (laughs) Japanese beetles love hibiscus plants in general, and okra being a hibiscus, then that explains why the Japanese beetles came over there. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I will give it a shot and see what happens. But, Susan, I have an extra bonus thing for you since we're friends now. Have you ever heard of, or have you done this, have you ever pruned okra? 
No, I read about it last year after I'd already pulled the plants up. Oh. So, no, I have not tried that. <laughs> well, you can do it. And I have an article in the paper, the AJC, this past Thursday about how to prune okra. And what you do is around this time of year when you've okra plants typically getting around five, six feet tall around this time of year. And mm -hmm. when they get too high to harvest, you simply cut them down to about uh, two feet, maybe two or three feet, make a cut okay. right above two nicely, strongly growing leaves. And many times the okra plant will sprout out two stems from that point, each one of which will have okra on it, and you'll be okay. harvesting okra in September, October even. Cool. I'll give that a try, Think too. about it. Think about pruning your okra. Let me know how it works. I will do that. Right. Thank you very much. Good talking to you, Susan. Thanks for calling. Ken in Noonan, Georgia, joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Ken, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Hey, man. I have... I have a, uh, a mostly centipede lawn, and in the fall and winter, I get these weeds that have these sticky little seed pods mm. that will stick to the bottom of your pants and shoelaces. Yeah. And uh, I've heard. Go ahead. Are they sharp so that they stick through the skin, or are they simply sticky on the, the seed itself that sticks to your, as you say, to your pants and your shoelaces? Yeah, that's it. They're not. They're not. They're not like thorny or anything. Okay. Right. And I've heard them called begalize uh, yeah. or hitchhikers. You got it. And, Spanish needle uh, is another name for it. Spanish needle, uh, beggar lice, beggar ticks. Uh, I'm sure there's another couple of common names in there too. Yeah, all that. All that to be said. So your question is how to control it, no doubt. Right. In the summer, I've even been out there for hours just trying to pull them because they're vine. You know, they yeah. kind of run. Yeah, yeah. And I've spent a lot of time, but they kind of come back. So I don't know what I'm afraid to. Uh, I don't know what to spray on the lawn. Yeah. The Biden, B-I-D-E-N-S, -E Biden's is the name for many of these sort of tag along, uh, hitchhiker, whatever you want to say, uh, seeds, Spanish needles in particular. And so Biden's is an annual weed. That's great news because if it's an annual plant, you can put a pre-emergent out, which keeps the seeds from sprouting. That's the cool thing. But you need to look, I think, Ken, for a particular pre-emergent. I'm going to have to spell the name because I do not know which products have this chemical in them, but I know there's one or two around. It's dithiopyr, D-I-T-H-Y-O-P-Y-R, dithiopyr. So, dithiopyr controls broadleafed seeds from germinating. And that's what you want because that's what the uh, Biden's plant is, is a broadleaf annual plant. So, the advice, you get some dithiopyr, put it out in the early spring in March, just like you would for crabgrass, and maybe a repeat in mid-May. And that should control 90%, I would guess, of the Biden's and the Beggar weeds, beggar ticks, stick tights, whatever you want to call them, in your, in your lawn. Okay. Hey, uh, one other quick question. Yeah. I have a, a, we have a lake house in Alabama, and is there anything where we have an irrigation system and a pump in the lake? Is sure. The, is the lake water fine for the lawn? Got some nutrients in it as well. You got all that fish and okay. frog manure and things in there. I don't think there's a reason why you wouldn't use it, no. No, okay. No diseases, right. well, nothing wrong with it. No, I think you can use it just fine. What kind of pump do you use, Ken? It must be a pretty good pump. Well, yeah, the pump sits up on the uh, retaining wall. It is. It's a. It's about a five horsepower pump. And yeah. It, uh, it's made for uh, irrigation systems, and on the, on the lake down there, there's a lot of 
it's pretty popular. But is this a gas or an electric pump? It's an electric pump. Five horsepower, did you say? Yes, sir. Woo, what kind of electricity do you have to put down there to make that pump go? It's uh, it's 240, 20 amp. Yeah, all right. Good. Uh, you told me exactly what I thought would be the case because it takes a lot of energy to move water. It's, water's heavy. It, you, uh, yes, sir, it does. It pumps it because it has, takes it out of the lake and up the hill, and yeah. it's uh, pretty significant. I understand. Ken, thank but, you for calling. Great question on yes, the secret plants and great answers for me when I was curious about the pump, too. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank drive, you. Bye. Drive safely, my friend. 404 872 0750 gets you in to take Ken's place right here at 815. Yeah, we have time to take another call. Let's get to Stephen in Crawford. Hey, Stephen. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, what can I do for you, Stephen? Well, we were having a discussion the other day about the difference between organic gardening uh -huh. and vegan gardening. Okay. And I thought the, diff the, the main difference is the fertilizer you use. Mm, no. Organic gardening is one in which you don't use pesticides. Well, synthetic pesticides, maybe I should say. Uh, synthetic pesticides, you use uh, organic-type fertilizers that are naturally occurring, like manures and things like that. So that's one kind of gardening. Vegan gardening, I guess the vegan rule is not to hurt anything, not to take advantage of any other living creature. So vegans don't eat honey. They don't eat eggs. They don't eat... Um, Many of them don't drink milk even because they say it somehow takes advantage of the cow, it takes advantage of the bee, it takes advantage of the chicken to have the materials there. And I'm not an expert. Don't call me an expert on vegan living because, Stephen, I am not. But okay, well, that would be my... I was, I was thinking that, uh, the, that uh, the fertilizer, mainly because they wouldn't use manure as a fertilizer. Because that comes from an animal. Ooh, that is a great question. I do not know, Stephen. There is somebody out there listening right now who does know. I invite them to call me and tell me what would be vegan gardening and would a vegan gardener use manure as a fertilizer? I've never thought of it in that regard. Great question. I will look it up myself. I'll try to find an answer, Stephen. <laughs> Keep listening. And in the next uh, 15 minutes, I'll try to have an answer for you. All right, thanks. Hey, Stephen, thanks for calling. Boy, do I love questions like that, questions that really make my mind go. Because, again, I'm not an expert at, by any means on vegan gardening, just the part about not taking advantage of the other creatures, eggs, milk, honey, things like that. And so if we could find an answer for Stephen, that would be terrific. If you have an answer, <clears throat> excuse me, if you have an answer, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Scattered thunderstorms today, high of 88, low of 72. Tomorrow, isolated thunderstorms, cloudy, high of 86, low of 71. You're full. We can forecast as of in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. By the way, if you look up vegan gardening, indeed, most of what I said was correct. If you take advantage of the 
work the efforts of another creature, then a true vegan would not consume that. Or if you're taking even something like manure, which happens normally, some vegan gardeners would argue that you're taking advantage of the cow, the horse, the chicken, or whatever, and they you'd use plant-based manures. And there are or plant-based fertilizers. There are plant-based fertilizers. I'm thinking of cottonseed meal. Sure, why not? Soybean oil, I've seen used as a fertilizer before. It works just great. So you can have plant-based organic gardening material, even fertilizers that can be used by someone who's a strict vegan gardener. I hope I got that right. We've got Ross and Cumming who joins us. Hey, Ross, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? What's up, Ross? I have a couple of 22-year-old uh, maple trees. We planted them when we built the house 22 years ago in the front yard. They were probably 10 feet tall at the time yeah. we planted them. Right. Last Thursday, a limb about four or five inches in diameter uh, fell right as I was standing outside doing some yard work. This, <laughs> this was a limb that was not horizontal, but it was going up more or less vertical from okay. a, a horizontal branch. I was kind of concerned, so I had an arborist come out and take a look at it. And the arborist recommended um, thinning the tree mm-hmm. and raising it. And I'm kind of, nature takes its course with trees. He didn't find any disease or anything, okay. so there was no concerns there. Is it a good idea to thin trees? It's done. Uh, well, okay. good idea or bad idea sort of depends on the tree itself and on the aim of the homeowner and the aim of the arborist to promote the health and the uh, you know the, the air transport and the the balance of the tree. Sometimes trees just naturally, for one reason or another, will grow to one side, become unbalanced, and then they tend to lean a little bit or not look quite right in the landscape. So. If this was an ISA certified arborist, if you had mm-hmm. somebody that's ISA certified, I would say take their word for it. Okay. And then one other quick question. Um, I've had leaf drop over the last few years in the middle of the summer, yeah. and he said that there's a fungus in the leaves, and they have a treatment that they can do in the spring that keeps the fungus down. Is this a concern, these fungus treatments? I don't see maple trees dying from leaf spot. Yeah, you get various tar spot and frog eye leaf spot and there's another maple leaf spot they're disfiguring they make the leaves drop sometimes but they don't really hurt in my observation don't hurt the tree long term i would lay off on the fungicide i don't think you need to do that on the thinning that's the opinion of the arborist and i would go with their opinion on that super that helps thank you very much walter nothing to it ross thanks for calling 404-872-0750 is the number at lawn and garden Let's see who we got his real quick question in here. Let's go with Jonathan out in Jefferson, Georgia. Jonathan, what's your real quick question? I've got uh, uh, a pear tree. I've just just one of them, and everybody I talk to uh, seems to be surprised that it's producing uh, pears uh, mm-hmm. and all that. And we're just wondering uh, if what they were saying is true that I needed really two pear trees for it to really to ripen and you know get really good big pears and all that kind of stuff. Jonathan, you just tell me you are a better gardener than they are? That <laughs> you know how to do it. <laughs> no, you don't have to have two pear trees. You have one, they pollinate, pollinate themselves just fine. Uh, no real reason to have a second pear if you don't want one. Well, that's, uh, that's awesome. Thank you very much. And Jonathan, don't be going out and telling everybody, bragging about how smart you are and how Walter said you're the greatest gardener in the world or Anything like that, you know, not to do that. You're supposed to be modest about your accomplishments, but basically you're right. 
Okay. Well, I'll try to be modest. Try to be modest about that, Jonathan. We'll see you soon, man. All right, thank you. All right, bye. 404, you know the number, 404-872-0750. Jonathan reminds me that I had a great time. I have a great time every year going to Jefferson for their foliage fest. Usually it's in March, and they have such a great crowd of folks there. And we talk about trees, talk about plants, answer questions. They have lots of vendors of of, uh, plant material and crafts and things like that. So it's a bunch of fun. The Jefferson Foliage Fest, tree festival they have there every year. And next year, I guess in March, look around on the calendar. I'll put it on my calendar so you will come to see me if you want to. And we just have a great time. Jonathan, the Jefferson Tree Festival, Jefferson Foliage Festival in Jefferson, Georgia. It's 828 or 827 and a half at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after news. And who will come? Mickey Gasway will come from Pike Nursery to talk about what is the weekend pick, Pike pick for this weekend, what's on sale. We'll see you right after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 8.35 on a Saturday morning, 77.5 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you do or don't want to do in your landscape. If you need an excuse, I'll write one out for you. 404-872-0750. There's no excuse for not going to Pike Nursery on the weekend because there's usually something on sale special that's specially chosen for the listeners of the Lawn and Garden Show. And I have the lady who does the choosing here on the line this morning. Hey, Mickey, good morning. Hey, good morning. Don't tell Stan that you will write an excuse for him. <laughs> Don't do that. A bad idea. Stan, <laughs> Mickey's husband, is the chief hole digger for her landscape, and she doesn't need any excuses for him not to dig those holes. That's exactly right. <laughs> also, the chauffeur, too, because he brings you to all our remote broadcasts. That's right. And today he brought me to Lindbergh. I'm at Lindbergh today doing a talk on succulents. Oh, boy, that's right. You have the whole class of succulents been going on for a couple of weeks now, hasn't it? Yeah, and we've got we've got two more next week on succulents at Slaney and West Cobb. Okay. We've kind of had to mix them up this week because we're doing inventory, but that's why they're kind of mixed up. Well, I'm sure whether you're at Lindbergh or whether you're West Cobb or any of the pike locations, there's one plant that's going to be on sale this weekend, the pike pick of the weekend. That's right. And this week, it's grape myrtles. Always chosen Yay. well. Something that is blooming that you can look at, see, and what a spectacular plant for Georgia. Grape myrtles Absolutely. are just awesome. Hard to beat. Hard to beat. And they've just, there's so many different ones now. Yeah. Do you, and I, I've got to mention this, I always do with grape myrtles. Do you remember during the Olympics? that we worked so hard to make Atlanta beautiful. Of course, it was beautiful sure. anyway, but to make it so pretty. But the thing that people noticed and commented on most were the crepe myrtles. Because they thought, that looks like a lilac. Does it smell good? Yeah. Well, it doesn't yeah. smell good, but it sure is pretty. It has those pink yes. and white and burgundy sort of flowers on it. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And now we've got so many. We've got really, really big ones. You know, we've got like the, that are 20 feet tall. Sure. that look like trees. 
And then we've got the um, the smaller ones, the dwarf ones that are, you know, two, some of them are only two or three feet tall. Which that means there's no excuse for not getting a crepe myrtle that fits into your landscape rather than getting one that's too tall and having to prune it every year, which we do that's not right. think is a good idea. No, no, no. We, what do we call that? Murder. Crepe murder, yeah. And, you know, right. I've, I've sort of stopped talking about it, Mickey, because I just, <laughs> I just you can't change everybody's no. mind. And it doesn't kill anything. Yeah, it's just I it. think it's just not necessary. It's just that's, ugly. That's my it's thing. Just ugly. Yeah. yeah. If you done. do it right, if you do it right, then it's not murder anymore. No. I guess. And yeah. there are ways of pruning crepe myrtles in ways that doesn't look odd and weird and hacked off or anything like that. But folks do it anyway, and I'm not going to yell at them that's too much right. anymore. That's so right. So crepe we don't myrtle. Do that. What, what environment do you need for a crepe myrtle to be happy, Nikki? Just sun, sun, and good drainage. I think that's the main thing. And so full sun in the middle of a yard would be a good place to grow them, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why you see them in the middle of the freeway. Oh, yeah, that's you know, right. Oh, speaking of that, yeah. I wish I could wish you'd had a caller this morning. wish you had someone from Conyers because they have that long line of crepe myrtles on I-20 going through Conyers. It's gorgeous every year when oh, I go yeah. through there. I have been there this year to see the crepe myrtles there, but they're always pretty, pretty, pretty. Well, there's some in West Cobb on um um, Whitlaw or Dallas Highway there are a bunch of white ones and mm-hmm. every once in a while I think they accidentally threw a pink one in there but they are beautiful and they're in full bloom now. And one of the things we needed to talk about crepe myrtles, not only the flowers but the bark and the trunk mm. I think is, if not equal to it's at least one of the most attractive things about the plant because the bark Absolutely. exfoliates on several of them, it peels off in real pretty ways and the trunk sin- is very sinuous it's like a muscle sort of that twists around gorgeous yeah gorgeous it's, there's one in um, Natchez the white one mm-hmm. it's got the prettiest bark we were in Monticello standing there several years ago and there were some huge crepe myrtles they are giant ones I mean there were some that had my, maybe a Eight, nine-inch caliper, wow, huge, yeah. huge trees that they were really cool. And those still had that muscly look like you were yeah. talking about. So all crepe myrtles, all Pike Nursery locations on sale 20% off this weekend. And That's right. And all sizes and shapes and colors and forms, you got it 20% off. Tell the cashier that Mickey said so. It is done. That's right. And Be sure and tell her, though, because so, I don't give it to you unless you ask. That's right. It. So the... Um, Planting soil wouldn't hurt to amend the soil as you plant them, certainly. A little starter right. fertilizer here and there wouldn't hurt my feelings at all either. Maybe some water planted this time of year. I think crepe myrtles could use some water for the next couple of months. But beyond that, they should establish quickly, should grow easily, rarely any pests on them. Crepe myrtle is a cool plant. Great plant. So Fantastic. We talked about classes earlier, so we got the succulents class a couple more times this uh, this month, and then the lawn class comes up in late July, I think. That's right, and that's going to be at the four regular cl- or five regular classes, okay. I mean, stores. So just check on, you know, where to check. Oh, well, no, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm thinking now. I've never where, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you, where okay. is it they need to check? See if you learned anything over the last uh, year. PikeNursery.com. You got it. That's all right. I passed the test. Okay. Mickey, thank you so much for being here this morning. Crepe Myrtle's on sale 20% off all Pike Nursery locations at PikeNursery.com. Yeah. And David Stockbridge is asking a question about his Crepe Myrtle, so let's see what he's got on his mind. Hey, Dave, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, Dave. What's going on with your Crepe Myrtle? Well, um... They they bloomed last season, uh, but they haven't really 
bloom this year. Everybody else in the neighborhood is looking mm. pretty good. I actually posted a picture to your to your Twitter. They're like kind of wilted. Uh, the leaves are real dry. Yeah, and the blooms are just barely there. Uh, so I don't. Huh. I don't know. I hope I don't have to take advantage of those twenty percent off. <laughs> you don't want to spend money to save money. Now you say there's not many leaves on it. It's just totally dropped, or it never developed leaves on it. Well, well, no, they have leaves on them, okay. and they uh, and it has bloomed a little bit, but mm-hmm. they're just dr- very dry and just not vibrant like all of the rest of them in the community. So, and I even have one in the backyard and it's very pretty, a pink one, but the one in the front here, it's... it's I gave a little just, quick lecture like earlier, earlier in the show. I talked something. about environment. So is there anything in the environment? Is it a place that is supposed to get irrigated and not, didn't get irrigated this year? Is it a... Hmm. No, well, I've only been in the home for about a year. Like I said, last okay. season, they bloomed beautifully. Um, Boy, I don't have a clue, Dave. Uh, you haven't described anything environmentally that would cause lack of blooms. I've had a question, I think, a week or two ago about why crepe myrtles don't bloom. And I said shade, over-fertilization, and over-pruning in the wintertime are the three things that I see, and, and powdery mildew will cause a crepe myrtle not to bloom and not to look great. So do you know what powdery mildew looks like on leaves? Have you seen any of that powdery uh, stuff? I do not. What 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 are the characteristics? Yeah, just like gray powder all over the leaves, and you'll know it when you see it. Gray powder all over the okay. leaves. It's easy to see. Yeah. Well, I'm looking now. I took some pictures. Yeah, it 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 has that. Um, mm. it, it's actually um, a big shrub around the crape myrtle. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it does have that. I'm looking at a picture of it now. It has it on the on the bush okay. that's surrounding the crepe myrtle. Okay. Tell you what, do Dave. I don't have a lot of time because I got five more calls waiting on me. So okay. let's do this. Go online. Go to my website. I think I have pictures there of powdery mildew on crepe myrtle, and I talk about how to control it or manage it. The usual way of managing, <clears throat> excuse me, of managing um, powdery mildew on any plant is to use an oil spray. Neem is what we usually recommend to use for powdery mildew. It protects new leaves from getting the mildew on them, but it doesn't cure the old leaves that have the powder already on them. So look online, look on my website for pictures of powdery mildew on crepe myrtle and see if that's what you do think you have. And if so, then neem oil can be sprayed. It's not going to do a lot this year because there's not more many more leaves that are going to happen on the crepe myrtle, not much more growing time for leaves to be produced, but you could consider spraying the crepe myrtle leaves with powder, with uh, neem oil to keep the powdery mildew from spreading even further on it. Eh, boy, that's going to be a tough one, though. Mike in Loganville, join us on Lawn and Garden. Mike, hey, man, how are you? Hey, Walter, doing well. How are you? I'm great. How can I help? Well, I have a question for you about my my lawn in general. And I know the first thing you're going to tell me is I have too much shade. So the the yard is about 12 years old. It was Bermuda sod uh, when they built the neighborhood out. And they also have what I think are two pin oaks uh, planted in the front yard. And those things are now about 35 to 40 feet tall. And I love the trees. They're, they're big. They're full. Uh, they look good. And I have them pruned up to about a level of about 10 feet above the lawn. Okay. But I know there's too much shade there, and the lawn looks horrendous. It's real yeah. thin. It's got a lot of bare patches. But then I also noticed that the soil looks real sandy. Hmm. 
And okay. I've tried prepping this yard and, and using some fescue seed, and that's successful for about three, four months, but then that shrivels up and dies as well. Yeah. So okay. I just, I'm trying to figure out if there's some way I need to amend the whole yard or if there's any other kind of turf I can try. I'm at my wit's end. Yeah. And as you know, shade is going to be the first question I always ask. In your, question, in your case, you have shade. you got the pin oak. Okay, shady. The sandy soil might be slightly problematic because it would drain faster so the fescue maybe needs more water than uh, normally would in another clay type soil man mike i don't have a great answer for you if you have tried fescue and tried and tried and if you have maybe added some top dressing to the ground to add some organic matter to the soil to replace the sandy soil or to make the sandy soil more organic that's about all i can think of doing other than so is there some that's something I thought about, Walter. But is there is there something you'd recommend so far? Is is manure out of the question? Is there anything I need to put um, for a top dressing that might be more successful? You know, call <clears throat> some of the landscape material yards. I want to call them. There are places that are called landscape material yards. They have gravel. They have sand. They have uh, topsoil. They have all sorts of things there, and ask them if they have a, an organic top topping mix. Is I think what they're called a topping mix for lawns. And go visit them first, make sure it's what you think it is. It has lots of organic material in it, not all clay, not all sand. And if you think it looks like it's good stuff, then bring it to your house and put a layer about a half an inch thick on top of the ground and see when you plant the fescue next, next fall, this fall, if it doesn't do a little bit better in that new topping mix there and see if it can take a little bit more shade as a result of having better soil. But again, Mike, you knew I was going to say it at the beginning. Shade depends, or shade determines what grass you can grow. You got that oak. It's always going to be a problem growing fescue or any other grass underneath that tree. It's 848. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 430 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. In the shade of the old apple tree All the love in your eyes I could see Was a voice that I heard Like the songs of a bird Seemed to whisper sweet music I've sung this song before. Quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Scattered thunderstorms today, high of 88, low of 72 tonight. Tomorrow, isolated thunderstorms, cloudy, high of 86, and a low of 71. Look out outside. It's going to be a pretty pleasant day outdoors. And if you have anything you need to plant, Pike Nursery has that plant for you. 404-872-0750 is the number for the Home Fix-It Show. Dave Baker is here, and the Home Fix-It Show is straight ahead. For Fred, who wanted to know, he had to drop off a minute ago, but he wanted to know if it was okay to use milorganite as a fertilizer for his zoysia lawn. The answer is yes. Milorganite does a fine job as a lawn fertilizer. It particularly does well when you want a slow release, something that doesn't really produce a lot of growth. For Bermuda, maybe not as well, but on zoysia, where you really don't need a lot of growth, a lot of fast growth, milorganite does a great job. I use it on St. Augustine lawns. It does a fine job for me as well. Milorganite is a a sewage sludge byproduct from the good people of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and it's sold in stores throughout Georgia. 
at hardware stores at Pike Nursery as well. And you can use Milorganite for fertilizing for your lawn, for your shrubs, trees, and everything else. It will release nutrients very slowly, but very gradually and nicely for the plants that have it. I mentioned earlier the newsletter. You can subscribe to my newsletter. It comes out every other Thursday. It has a lot of information in it, but this last issue has two things in it I want to bring to your attention particularly. Number one, if you've ever thought that you would like to go to New Zealand, I'm going to take a trip. I want to take a group of people, a host of group, to go to New Zealand next February. New Zealand is one of the most fabulous destinations for anybody to go to. It is so green. And they're opposite of us. Their weather is, their seasons are opposite of ours. So if we go in February, it's the middle of the summer in New Zealand. It'll be hydrangeas, flowers, everything blooming just like it is right now in Georgia and Atlanta. And if you'd like to accompany me to New Zealand next February, you can go to my website or go either the easiest place to go, frankly, is Earthbound Expeditions. That's the company I work with who plans all my trips, who has such a good a good knowledge of what I want in gardens and the sort of the cultural things I want to go see and the historical stuff, museums and things. We have a great working relationship, so go to earthboundexpeditions.com, and I will try to put a link on my website to their website to give you the whole detail about the trip to New Zealand. That's next February, February the 2nd, I believe it is, 2nd through the 14th or 16th, something like that. That's when the trip is going to be. The other thing in the newsletter, besides the trip to New Zealand, is the Georgia Pollinator Census in August of this year, we're trying to do, we being the Extension Service University of Georgia, is trying to do a census of pollinating insects. And this is easy to do. Anyone can do it. Everybody can do this. And this is all you have to do is pick a plant in your garden and check it during the day and count the number of insects that are visiting the flowers. That's all you have to do. And just, you know, make a check mark and say, yeah, so 10 today, maybe a honeybee and a bumblebee and something else. And if you say, well, I don't know what a honeybee looks like. I don't know what a bumblebee looks like. Fine. They have a chart of showing you all the pollinating insects that you can see and you can note on your census uh, form. The Great Pollinator Census is this August the 23rd and 24th. Details at my website, Great Pollinator Census there. It's been my pleasure this morning to spend it with Ashley for Ask a Screening Call, answering questions like a crazy person off the air. If you do not follow her on Twitter for her traffic work, you are missing out some great information every weekday. Ashley Fassman, WSB, is her Twitter handle. Justin Obi has done a great job choosing our music this morning, keeping us on the air as well. I appreciate his work, too. You can find my website at WalterReeves.com. You can follow me on Twitter, on Pinterest, on Facebook as well. Get all the information at WalterReeves.com. I'm here every Saturday morning from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., and I hope you'll join me next Saturday morning. We'll have, you guessed it, another edition of Lawn and Garden. I'll see you then.